Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Rosenbaum and Gray Hour. I am here with Lindsay Gray. How are you today, Lindsay? I'm good. I'm getting a little tired of this quarantine, but I'm hanging in there. Absolutely. And we have an amazing guest today that I'm so excited to have on the podcast, Harry Hain, who is a mother and a teacher. And um, she has a little child at home, right? How old is your youngest? I have two. One is seven and one just turned 10. Wow. So a seven and 10 year old home through all this. And she's also a screenwriter. Yeah. Um, so I'm pretty excited for you to give us a little, you know, just give us a little background information on you so everybody can know a little about, bit about Carrie. Sounds good. Um, thanks for having me. This is very fun. And um yeah, so I live I live in Toronto, um, and just like everybody in the world, we're dealing with the whole coronavirus situation. Um, interesting with little ones to do it. They're not super little, so they can do, you know, they can have some screen time and some play time together. They're kind of killing each other every now and again. <laughs> <laughs> so we're trying to mitigate that. Um, but we're actually getting out of the house. We're not seeing anybody, but I'm we're going outside. So we just got back from the baseball diamond near my house. No one was there but us. So like we're not playing with other people, but we're at least getting some fresh air and stuff. So that seems to be key to not killing each other. (laughs) That's that's my main goal during this time is to keep them alive. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Either, you know, from, from each other or from the, you know, virus. Either way. And Carrie, so everybody knows, is also the sister of late um, Corey Haim, who was a fantastic actor. And that, you know, I know Lindsay told me she was her crush growing up. He he definitely was. I I had a thing for Corey Haim growing up. I'm I'm an 80s baby. So, you know, watching The Lost Boys, I just love So, yeah, he was cute. He was always cute. I loved him. I saw him in Lucas. That's one of my favorite all-time movies ever. And now Lindsay hasn't seen it. She's a Lost oh Boys my. fan. Oh my but God. I, I absolutely told her she has to watch it because it, it's kind of like a Rudy movie. Wouldn't you think that in that way? Very you think, it's a very, it's very inspirational and it's very, it's like just a lovely story. And um, it's really good. I just, that is definitely my favorite one for sure. Yeah, I, I loved it. And, you know, he's, he was a little younger than, I'm, I'm 54 years old. I'll be 55 in August. Now, I know, Carrie, you're, are you 50, did you say? I just turned 50 in February. Happy birthday. Thank Happy you. birthday. Thank you. Um, and you have two little kids, which is, you know, and see, Lindsay's 35, so she's still a baby. Yeah, um, so I had my first daughter when I was 40. Um, not, you know, what we had issues having the babies, you know, lots of problems, but then anyway, things happened and we had Molly is her name when I was 40 and, uh, Jack came along as a surprise two years later. That's awesome. You know, I have a Molly too. I, I know, that, right? I know it's the yeah, my Molly's 30, Oh my gosh. <laughs> but I have a six year old grandson. So I'm sure right now my, my daughter's still working. Yeah, the schools here. I don't know about schools in Toronto, but they just canceled our schools here all the way till May, which means oh. probably they won't even go back at all. So we're worried because they've canceled us just until April 6th at the moment. But there's no way that right. we've done this by then. So I have a feeling we're going to hear something different soon. Right. And I'm sure. So we're also professionally, I'm just kind of waiting to hear 
what do we do? And I teach deaf and hard of hearing kids. Oh, wow. Um, so I uh, drive around from school to school and teach kids and I, you know, check on their equipment and their hearing aids and so on. So, you know, I'm just kind of worried about how everyone's doing at home, hoping everyone's okay and just wondering what's going to happen this year. But we can't, we'll just have to wait and see. There's no point in stressing about it, I guess. Absolutely. I mean, they're saying here, and I don't know, and, and Lindsay, you can jump in at any time, um, but they're saying here with the kids that um, they're not going to make them take the standardized, test, standardized yeah. testing here, that they're not going to make them re make up the days. Yeah. Um, and the governor of Indiana, I think it was the governor in Indiana, because that's the schools I'm talking about, um, but that they that put them out till May 1st. But the schools usually are out by the second week of May anyway, so it makes mm -hmm. no sense that they go back at all. Right. Yeah. But I wonder how the teachers are doing. Now, I hear that they're doing a lot of electronic stuff. Um, they're sending homework. But I've also heard a lot of people say, don't worry if you can't, you know, with this stressful time, really be a homeschool teacher to your child. Well, Is I that think that's part of it. Like, I think there, we have to prioritize. And I, first of all, we're on our, uh, what we call our March break right now. So this week we were off anyway. Uh, it's the next two weeks that we're off additionally. But that's, you know, kids know that we're stressed. Even the little, little ones can sense everything. And I think we need to prioritize. Um, some people think that homeschooling your kid means replicating what we're doing in the classroom, you know, for six hours a day. And that's not homeschooling. Like homeschooling can be one or two hours, not necessarily in a row. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it can be more about what they're interested in. And it could be a little bit more self-directed. But there's also, you know, I have plenty of families in Toronto, in a big city like Toronto, where not everyone has access to the internet, not everyone has access to a computer all the time. Like, it's an equity issue. So uh, we're gonna have to see what happens and what they, they can't really require everyone to do it when all of our libraries are closed too, things like that. So I think the most important thing right now is to make sure everyone's safe. Everyone's, you know, reading with your family, that's important and just being together, that's, the key right now, I think we need to kind of chill out a bit on the whole, let's get our times tables done. They'll still be there when this is all over. Now, do you have an issue with toilet paper in Canada? <laughs> I was just thinking that, Lori. <laughs> we did. We have a big, everyone was freaking out about the toilet paper. I didn't understand what was happening. Uh, <laughs> everyone is stocked again. So all the groceries, we don't have a supply chain issue. So everyone's like, everyone just shop normally and it'll be fine. And that's, right. again, what's happening. So this everything's moved back to normal in regards to and now they finally got smart and they're limiting families. So you know one big package per family, and that's all you can buy at in a shopping trip. Yeah, we've had. Did you see Lindsay too? Did you see where they? And I've seen this on Facebook where these women. We have WIC here where they get free formula for yeah. know, low income, mm -hmm. and they're they are getting all their stuff with WIC and sell. Selling like baby formula, fifty dollars a yeah. jar, sixty dollars, and there's people with children or babies that can't get baby formula because oh they're out. Yeah, I mean, I saw people on Facebook crying about not being able to get diaper wipes or diapers in the right size and baby formula and being. I'm, I can imagine being a mom uh, with a baby right now, and anyway, and then have to freak out because you can't find formula because people hoarded it. That's terrible. Yeah. yeah. Now, on the other side, I've seen a lot of really good things. I've got a neighbor on my street, actually, and a few months ago, before this all started, she started um, a group on Facebook matching up families who have who are what she would call food abundance. So say you've had a party, you've catered something, and you have a lot of extra food and you don't want to throw it out. She's matching them up with people who are food scarce. 
and that's awesome. Connecting those people. And so now she's crazy busy um, because people need things, including formula and diapers and whatever. And I've seen so much generosity and people sharing things and people offering to shop for elderly people. Like I've seen that too. A lot yeah. of good things, which I prefer to focus on. So absolutely. You have to focus on the good because no matter what, there's always jerks and everything. Yep. Yeah. Sadly. <laughs> did you did you guys hear about the guy who bought seventeen thousand seven hundred bottles of hand sanitizer and tried <laughs> yep. selling it for like seventy dollars a pop on Amazon? That's so disgraceful. But then didn't he didn't they say he can't sell it now? Yeah, they they, made him they, they pulled him. Good. Yeah, and, and authorities got involved, and then he started donating it. And I'm yeah. like, he's like, well, it was easy money, and I'm like, yeah, but you can't take oh. advantage of other people like that. That's you know what I think in a crisis like this, you kind of see. The, the best and the worst of humanity, right? And exactly, you have to make a choice. And my choice is to be on the good side. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and to say, like, look, if someone needs food, I'm going to share with them. If someone, you know, we've had a family down the street who's like, oh, I can't find toilet paper. And we're like, do you want some? We'll come bring it to you. And they were fine. They, they were able to find some, but we're happy to share. Absolutely. I would do the same. I mean, if there was somebody who asked, if you somebody asked you if your neighbor needed, neighbors needed some toilet paper, would you give it to them? Well, I, why wouldn't I? I mean, yeah, what do you need toilet paper for? Worst comes to worst, you go in the shower and wipe, wash yourself. I mean, exactly. It's yeah. not like you're going to die. Paper became the thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. I mean, absolutely crazy. Well, so, I got I got yelled at yesterday. Well, fussed at in Walmart for telling some lady that, you know, she could use a washcloth and just rinse yeah. it out. Yeah. And she just looked at me like appalled. Like, why would I ever, you know, and I'm thinking you're in a room that one has a shower and yep. two has a sink. Yeah. You can wash your butt some way. Mm -hmm. like, you don't need to freak out over toilet paper. Of course, I, I got two packs of toilet paper yesterday, but I didn't fill my whole shopping cart. I just right. bought two packs just in case. I'm glad they're limiting it and making it fair. I think it's it, I think it's one of those things where. We have such little control over this. And maybe it was just one of those, you know, okay, toilet paper. I can control that. If I have enough of that, then I'll feel okay. You know? Yeah, it's weird. that. And, and the thing is, I'm a hoarder of toilet paper normally. Honestly, <laughs> I, mean, I, I have to admit it. I, for some reason, I have to make sure there's plenty of toilet paper in the house. It would freak yeah. me out if we did, which is just silly, but it's just me. So yeah. I had two packs from, because I order them on Amazon. So I, and mm -hmm. I would get deliveries every few months. So I had two packs and then, you know, when my husband went to the store, he, uh, two, uh, he got to pick up two packs each time he went. So, and I'll honestly, and there's just me and him, right. and, you know, he only uses women, obviously use toilet paper more yeah. than men. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, but you know, and, and, I, and I'm still like freaking out, honey, shouldn't we get another pack if you go to the <laughs> store? I'm really concerned that we're going to not have enough. We have plenty of toilet paper. It's just, I don't know. And exactly. It's one of those staples that you never think you're going to not have enough. You're going to yeah. run out of toilet paper. But they said, if you watch The Walking they somebody said, I have watched seasons of The Walking Dead never once were they worried about not having toilet paper. That's <laughs> so true. I hadn't that thought about that, true. but it's so true. Yeah, it's, you know what, the things that, th this is one of those things we'll laugh about in a number of years. You know, this was the toilet paper era, you know, this was the big thing we were all worried about. Hey, if we can survive the toilet paper famine of 2020, we can survive anything. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's silly, but like yeah. you said, I think it's one of those things you can control, you know, exactly. yeah. um, and once you can't find something, that's when you want it more. I, yeah, I mean, sure. obviously, yeah. you know, 
it's like they said, there's no more watermelon in the world. You know, there's only like 10, 10 in your grocery store and that's the end. Everybody would be lined yeah. up for miles to get, to get watermelon. I and I think, think in, our, in our society, we're not used to not having things generally. Um, we're, we, it's a pretty on-demand society, right? So absolutely weird for us not to have something. So, right. I mean, you could go to Amazon and order everything. Now you go on Amazon and they say they were temporarily out. Yeah. And it's like, oh my gosh, Amazon doesn't have toilet paper. Oh yeah. my God. You know, it's and it sounds thing. ridiculous. You know, you can get food. Yes, everything's yeah. scarce. I mean, that's because you have the hoarders buying up all the food. Yeah. And when regular people who can't afford to hoard, this you know, the there's thing. people yeah. out there that, you know, work week to week for their paycheck, for you know, mm -hmm. and they can't afford it. So when they, by the time they get off work and go to the grocery store, there's nothing for them to buy. And that's just ridiculous. It's awful. Yeah. That part. Yeah. It's. Anyway, I'm just, I, I can't, I don't know how it's going to end. You know what I mean? Like I keep thinking, how, how many months are we going to be doing this? Yeah, um, it's scary. And that's a bit scary to think of, you know, how long are we socially isolating and not seeing like my mom, we had been seeing my mom and she, we said to my mom and my in-laws, we're going to ask you to limit your, your lives to our place and your place. And we'll get the groceries. But then my mom wasn't well and went to emergency the other day. She's well oh, now. No. She's fine. Oh, but she felt, you know, she wasn't well and she needed to go. And since, you right. know, know what she's been exposed to there. Yeah. Now Absolutely. We're gonna, now we're really going to limit. Now we're really not going to see you for two weeks, a full two weeks. So we're doing yeah. this type and whatever. Just we have to. We have little ones. And, you know. How long have um, Molly and Jack been out of school? Um, just this week. This is the first week because it was our regularly scheduled break. And next week is the sort of first of the, you know, plague week of uh, <laughs> okay. the extended. Yeah, our week. kids went on last week, I think. Yeah. I think they went out on last week. And I'm not even sure when their week was because, you know, obviously you have little kids. I don't. So I don't really keep track. But, I mean, it's just crazy because we were first until the, like, April 3rd, 4th, whenever. And then yeah. it was going to, then they changed it to April 12th. And then the mayor or the uh, governor changed it to May 1st. So I'm sure you pro guys will probably. Do you guys in Canada have the test kits available? So, uh, yes, apparently. I don't know how many. I think they're rationing them somewhat. I don't think it's as big as a problem as in the States. I read a stat this morning that 50,000 Canadians have been tested. Now, our population is way smaller than yours. We're at about 30 million-ish for the whole country. Right. Um, so we've had about 50,000 test kits so far. Uh, we've had a few deaths, but not as many, obviously, as you ha have had. Right. Uh, I think we're doing a little bit better than this than most of America in terms of the socially the social isolation. Um, I've seen we're also smaller population, but I think people are starting to take it very seriously here. And there seems to it seems to be hit and miss where you guys are. Absolutely, They're, the kids at the beach. The oh, governor in Florida just decided that, that yeah. to close the beach because he wasn't going to close the beach. So the spring breakers are just out there. Well, we don't care. Yeah, if I, I get what I get it. I'm going to enjoy myself. You know, they don't they don't think or care about anybody else mm -hmm. at that age a lot. He finally them. closed the beaches. Yes, they finally. Oh, I hadn't yeah. seen them. Okay, yeah. good. They're finally, um, just, you know, the governor's closing the beaches, which he should have done in the first place. But For they're sure. so. I think it's all about money. Yeah. You know, it's just kind of like we were told, you know, what, a month ago that it was all a hoax or less yeah. than that. Um, so, you know, people didn't believe it. And then you have like 35 percent. of uh, There's still people on my Facebook saying it's a hoax and nobody actually has it. It's oh, not my God. Yes. It shocks 
me. Yeah. I can't even believe how you can say that at this point. Yeah. I don't understand. I mean, I'm hearing a lot of things from the medical profession who's starting to come out with their stories now about what they're seeing and they're preparing for war. They're calling right. for they're, they're One of our children's hospitals in a, a, a city uh, called Hamilton, which is about an hour away from Toronto, they have a, um, a pretty good children's hospital there. And they're basically putting all the kids in one area and making the rest of the hospital sort of an ICU for uh, coronavirus patients, adult patients. Wow. And they're That's, just, yeah, it's awful. So. It's, it's, it's definitely, I mean, it's definitely a scary time. I just, um, I hope that people just realize that, you know, like, so I have asthma and I have, mm. rheumatoid, you know, arthritis. So I have, you know, a rheumatoid or a, um, a uh, problem with my immune system. It's an autoimmune disease. Yeah. So, and, and in my fifties and being overweight, I mean, those are definitely issues that if I got it, I probably wouldn't make it, you oh, know, in all honesty. Scary. So you just, you know, but the people that really bother me are the people that don't are taking their kids to go play with, you know, on playgrounds with yeah. other kids and doing all that stuff because you know, my husband might go to the grocery store and I don't go with him, but if he comes in contact with somebody with it yeah, and brings it home, you just, you know, who, who even wants to deal with that? Everybody no, no, no. needs to work together. You know, that's what bothers me is that people think they're better than anybody else. You're not better than anybody else. We're all human beings. We are all the same just because you're a billionaire, you know, or you're poor or whatever. We're all the same. Yeah. And, and I think people just, I just hate it when people think any different than that. That's, you know, anyway. So mm. Lindsay, <laughs> how are you doing? How's your week been? I know uh, she's, Lindsay, tell her about your part, Lindsay. Tell uh, Carrie about what's going on with you. Oh, so I, well, I'm kind of on pause right now. I'm supposed to be moving to LA, but with oh, the coronavirus, right. it's yeah. um, kind of up in the air right now. Um, not really sure what's going on. Um, I got a part playing Supergirl in a new Teen Titans uh, movie. Wow, that's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, but of course, most pro most Hollywood productions are shut down right now. Of course, yeah, I mean, uh, eighty percent so of Hollywood is out of work right now. I mean, it's yeah. just it's nuts. You know, there's I have you know, I have friends of mine that are in different areas of the field, and nobody is working. I yeah. mean, you know, I'm I'm constantly hearing about people stuck in other countries because they were filming, yeah. and now they can't get home back home to America because of the travel ban. Yep, that's it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. So um, I will say that there's apparently 98 cases here in Virginia. I did write yeah. that up. God. And there's only been two deaths. So that's, I guess, somewhat of a positive. If everyone stays inside, we can kind of get ahead of it. But yeah. yeah. Well, that's exciting news. I'm sorry that it's got to be postponed for you. That sucks but it is what it is oh. I mean, like stupid virus yeah yeah, yeah but, i just keep telling her at least you don't have kids at home Lindsay. that's true i'd probably I, I have to give big props to all the teachers out there um and all the parents out there because i don't know how you guys are doing it day after day stuck in the house with with them trying trying to do this social distancing it's hard because the kids don't understand that's the hardest part is that my daughter's like, let's, let's go here. Let's go there. Let's go play with this friend or that friend. And I'm trying to, she's like, but we're not sick. And I'm trying, it's so hard for them to grasp why we're doing it, but we have to do it. So yeah, I, I just, you know, I, I feel for you guys. It's, yeah. 
I'm I'm used to being a homebody. I like being at home. So this is I've been preparing for this my whole life. But <laughs> exactly, where you were born to play. Exactly. <laughs> I I worked in the you know I worked in the food industry my whole life since I'm young, and I was a district manager in food service and and was uh, in charge of ten restaurants. Wow. And so my life was always chaotic, twenty four seven, all that my whole life. And when I married the husband I'm with. Um, right now, um, you know, two and a half years ago, I, after, right after, pretty much after we got together, I was able to, you know, leave my job, which, you know, in a way is kind of good in a way it's bad because I feel so lost. You know, I don't, I kind of, you lose your identity, um, you know, and being in charge. And then all of a sudden you're, you're, you, you feel like you're lost. So I felt Mm -hmm. lost for a while. I, I got sick and my thyroid stopped working and I gained a bunch of weight and I'm kind of just pretty much don't talk to anybody anymore. I used to deal with people so much that when I would come home from work, I would put, you know, open the garage, pull my car in, close the garage to make sure I didn't see a neighbor when, you know, now I live on 18 acres, but then, yeah, it's it's pretty nice. But then, you know, I didn't want to, I don't want to talk to anybody because you're on your phone constantly dealing with issues and, so I've been social distance for a long time, but part of it's because I don't want people to see me that are used to me looking like totally different than I look right now. So I've, mm-hmm. it's kind of like an embarrassment. Part of it's just, I don't want to be bothered and, and it's good and bad. And then I start, you know, I was a real estate agent as well. While at the time I was working in food service and then, you know, now I do art and, and paint and, you know, but lately I have not been, had any desire to paint at all. I don't know if it's because this whole stuff going on. I don't know what it is, but it's like, I cannot get myself to do anything. Um, I don't know if it's depression. I don't know. I think it's just everything altogether, maybe, but I don't know. Do you ever feel like you just don't want to, I mean, I can't imagine because you're not, you know, you're not as old as I am, Perry, but you're, you know, you're four years younger. And when I was your age, I was still quite active, but do you ever feel like, well, yeah, it's, I think it's, I'm having a weird midlife crisis thing going on because Turning 50 was a real, yeah, it was like a mind fuck. Can we swear? Is that bad? Yes, you can swear. Absolutely. (laughs) You can say mind fuck all you want. Okay, well, I will then. So, yeah, turning 50 for me was a, so my entire sort of adult life, I've always been told how young I look. You do. I I work part, I work as an actor part time as well every now and again when I, when I can find auditions, which are, you know. And my agent sends me out for the sort of mid thirties to mid forties roles, which is lovely and good. But turning 50, that number just flipped me right out and just taking stock of my life and going, okay, so this is what I'm doing now. Like this, it it just seems like a, a big moment. And I'm kind of making all these different decisions now saying, you know what life, that whole life is short thing is ringing more true for me than ever. And the whole, right. how you said at the beginning, I'm a screenwriter. And, you know, I kind of want to giggle at that because I I just started writing recently, like literally this year. That's um, awesome. And I've decided I've always wanted to do it, and I've frankly been too petrified to do it. Like I love the idea of it, and haven't done it. And then I'm just like, you know what? I no one's going to do it for me, and I'm not getting all the auditions I want to get. And I'm tired of waiting. So I thought, okay, I got to start writing my own stuff from things that I want to be in and things that I want to do. Screw right. it. I'm a writer now. So um, I wrote a pilot and I'm like, good. I, I wrote the pilot. I'm now a writer. So 
I don't know what's going to become of it. I'm going to see if I can pitch it. And I'm still learning about the whole way this thing goes. I'm working on a few other things now. That's but, awesome. And with two little kids at home. And yeah, it's hard to find time to do it. So like when I'm teaching, like sometimes I'll at lunch, I'll sit if I'm out of school and just try to do a couple pages or right now I'm finding it tricky like this over this break. I wanted, I had, oh, I'm going to write my next thing because I have something planned out. And it's not working out the way I wanted to because we did not expect this virus to be happening. And I think that's okay. I think it's like, you know what, it'll all come. Um, I don't need to beat myself up about not being super creative at all times. And I think we'll have to just chill, you know? Um, right. It's hard because we want to all do our thing. I want to do the things that I, I want to do my creative work and I want to achieve things and be successful. But I'm also at the point where I'm like, I'm not, I'm tired of waiting for permission. I think that's what it is. I, I don't want to wait for per permission for someone to say, yes, you are now a writer. So no, you're a writer. If you're I'm a writer. writer. I've exactly. just, I wrote something, I'm going to sell it and I'm a writer. I don't need, and I don't have time to sort of wait five years for it to happen because I'm 50. Like it's just going to happen. And I think, I don't know if it's an age thing or I just kind of, I, I, I'm tired of it thing. I'm just taking way more risks about that. Why not? You should. So I think that would be my advice and just say, fuck it, take your risks. Fuck it. Well, yeah, like, you know what? Everyone's doing their own thing. And I think people try to help each other as much as they can. And I know I try to help people as much as they can. And that's all you can do. And that's all you can do. And you know what? I'm exactly. just going to take a chance. And why not? You know, what do I have to lose? Like nothing. Soon I'll you know be what? five. Soon do I'll you, be 60. Well, you shouldn't think like that. But do you have, do you have, are you married? I am married. Yeah. You have a supportive spouse. He's fantastic. That's, yeah. that's the bet. You know, if you have somebody there that's supportive of you yeah. and, you know, my husband, you know, at the beginning when I first started painting, which mm -hmm. I started in 2018. I and I've sold started so recently because it's so amazing what you do. Thank you. And, yeah. you know, I impressed my family and I've sold, you know, I've sold paintings overseas already. So and, and the, the thing is, is that you know, when I first started painting and my husband was like, you know, I said, I'm, a, I'm an artist, aren't I? I'm mm -hmm. an, and he said, no, you're not really an artist. I said, what do you mean I'm not an artist? He goes, because until you, you know, you're, you're not a professional or you're not an artist unless you sell stuff and you're, you know, people are buying your stuff and all that. And it kind of hurt my feelings. I mean, mm -hmm. it kind of, you know, and at the time when I first started pretty much right after that, I was doing pet portraits and stuff and right. I kind of hurt my feelings. I'm like, what do you mean? You know, what do I, what is it going to take for you to believe that I'm an artist? You know, and then when I'm selling stuff and he's shipping it for me and stuff, it was like, okay, you're an artist now, you know, but it was like, I, I think something, sometimes women do that. Like we wait for permission for things like that. And it's like, you know what? You're an artist when you, when you make art. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Full stop. End of story. Right. So I don't think you need to have it qualified. And I think we're, we're, we're pretty used to saying, to asking permission or asking opinions that we don't need to ask and just. I think I'm at this point where I'm like, you know what, I, I value my friends and my family's opinions, but it's not what I'm going to sort of sell the farm on. It's my stuff. And that's, that's okay. awesome that you're yeah. like that, because I, I think I've always had a hard time. Now, I've always been strong as far as my work life goes. When I was a district manager, and all that, I knew I was good at what I did. I did, mm -hmm. you know, I'd done it for so long. But yes, I never think I'm good enough at anything. And I kind of grew up in an environment where. I had, you know, a stepfather, my real father was out of the picture and my mom mm -hmm. and Nate, I was always made to think I was a moron. I was never going to be God. anything. Um, you're never going to be pretty. You're never going to be this. You're never going to be that. 
So I had a lot of negativity growing up. And yeah. I think that definitely feeds into my having no, you know, self-esteem or, you know, or, or dealing with those issues. It's funny how deep-seated those things are, right? Eh? When you think about it. Yeah, especially I'm 54, you would think, yeah. oh, she's got to be past that. But no, I mean, there's things in my childhood that are just as, they're more clear to me than yesterday was. Yeah. And, no, you know, those same. things that hurt you. I mean, I've had plenty of them. And yeah, they, they still, to this day, I wish I could turn them off. Mm -hmm. I wish I could pretend they never happened. I wish I could just feel wonderful about myself. But you know what? When somebody, mm -hmm. you grow up hearing that when you're a child, it, it doesn't go away. No, for sure not. It's, it's too bad. Like, I'm sorry you had to experience that because it's so not, you wouldn't have, de you don't deserve that. Nobody well, I appreciate it. I mean, we, nobody, you know, and I know there's people who've had a lot worse than me and, you know, but everybody has to live with what they're given. I don't have right. to live with somebody else's issues or mm -hmm. whatever. I have to live with who wants. And me and my mother don't have a relationship right now because yeah. my mother um, is is not a very good person. So right. it's it's kind of it's just been a struggle. It's always been, um, you know, there's the black sheep issue or the, per, you know, or mm -hmm. the throwaway child. And I think my, I was for my mother's first marriage. So me and my older brother with my mom, we were always just the throwaway kids. So how many siblings do you have? We have there's four. Okay. We have um, my old. I have an older brother who's 55. He'll be. Okay. Um, 56 next month. Um, my mother had him at 17. She had me at 18. Okay. Um, she, and then there's Michael. So Adam is, uh, we're 17 months apart. We're not very close at all. He lives in Rhode Island. Uh, not really close. Haven't been. Um, and then there's me. Mm -hmm. And then Michael's almost seven years younger than me. And mm -hmm. then uh, Eric uh, is almost seven years younger than, or they're six years apart. So my youngest brother's 13 years younger than I am. Okay. And Lindsay, how, what do you have? So you don't have siblings. I have a brother, but my brother and I don't speak. Um, okay. And that's mainly because of the woman he's married to. Okay. Yeah. That's sad. But that's yeah. what, I mean, that happens. Of course. It's, it's hard. You know, it's hard when you have, I mean, yeah, I had my, my one brother, Corey, growing up. Um, but then my parents divorced when I was a teenager. My dad remarried. Uh, when I was an older teenager and we have, Corey and I have a, a half brother who's 30, 31. He just turned 31. So, and I don't see him very often because he's in Montreal, but. Um, so, How far is Montreal from you? Uh, to drive, it's about a five hour drive. So I don't see him very often. My dad's still in Montreal as well. So we talk on the phone quite a bit, my dad and I, and I speak to the, my younger brother, you know, we, we text more often. <laughs> right. We chat every now and again. Yeah. So when you were growing up, yep. I mean, you're okay. So you're growing up, and you're going. Were you into acting? I mean, you're obviously. Yeah. Were you all? You were older by how? How much older were you? I, am, I was 22 months older than my brother. Oh, you were close in age. You were pretty close in age. Um, and so the story is that you know I loved acting and that type of thing when I was a kid, and we studied drama with a wonderful woman um, just in the neighborhood. You know, just did private sort of lessons or little group lessons. And we had a friend who uh, had an agent and in Toronto, because there's a lot of film in Toronto. Even, even back in the early 80s, there was film happening here. And I, we, just, we got an agent and started going out on jobs. And my brother actually got cast in a local television show, uh, which you can still find little episodes of. It's called The Edison Twins. It was a children's show about science. It was a very cute little show. He, he played like a friend of the main little boy. Okay. Then um, he ended up getting a role in 
an American film. And that's how everything started. Which, And it was basically a fluke in the sense that American film cast in America. <laughs> right. But there was one movie that was called Firstborn. Uh, I think it was in 1984, starring Terry Garr. Uh, oh, yeah, I remember Terry. And um, they couldn't find the right little kid that they wanted. They went to a bunch of American cities and they ended up coming to Toronto uh, because they just couldn't cast, they couldn't find the right boy. And then they came here and they found my brother. So that was like a big, huge thing. And it had a really um, well-known producer, producing team. And after that film, they helped my brother get an agent in California and so on and so forth. So it just kind of snowballed from there. Oops, my dad's calling, I will hang up. I'll call dad back. Um, so it snowballed from that point. And how did that make you feel? I mean, where did that, was it hard for you? Did he, was he gone a lot? Yes and no. Like it, it was exciting because the fact that my brother had this film in New York and then I went, uh, for the filming of that movie. So I was around for quite a bit of that and I loved that environment and people were really friendly and I just liked seeing the whole process. Um, I, there was a little bit of jealousy, but not so much that it affected our relationship, really. Like, we weren't super, we were close, but then because of the whole situation, my family ended up moving to California um, around 1986 because there was so much travel back and forth. Right. And we just decided, you know what, let's just bite the bullet and go. I did not want to go to California, and I ended up moving home at 16 to come back oh. to Toronto. Um, and my parents, supported me as much as they could like financially like it, it wasn't like this big I'm leaving and not talking to you again it was just right. that I really wanted to finish high school here in Canada get my life in order you know I just I wanted to absolutely be. while I was in LA with my family you know the year they moved I my brother's agent was my agent and I auditioned for a bunch of roles I actually got cast uh in an episode of Growing Pains oh really back in the day um, and that week was a big week because I also auditioned. I had a callback for L.A. Law. Wow. Was, it was the I didn't know what that was because it wasn't a show yet. It was the first season. And they said, you're going to go audition for this show called L.A. Law. And I thought it was L.A. Law, like L.A.H., like fun, L.A. <laughs> um, and then I realized, it, you know, it was about the role was a 16 year old girl who had been like abused by her brother. It was a horrible thing. And I had a callback and I read for Stephen Bochco and it was like really exciting. Um, wow. Yeah, it sounds exciting. And I didn't get cast in that. I did get cast in the Growing Pains thing and then went to work for two or three days and then wasn't able to continue because I didn't have American working papers. Oh. And, and I was the type of kid who was like, it was obviously really disappointing, but I was also like, all right, I got cast. So clearly that means I'm good enough to get cast. And that was right. enough for me. Do you know what I mean? Like that's oh, what great. Yeah. That's enough. So I kind of put it aside for a long, the whole acting thing for a long time because I was here on my own and I was doing my own thing. And then, uh, you know, when I graduated university and whatever, I started doing just local theater stuff in Toronto and did a lot of shows over the years. And then once I had my little ones, that had to stop <laughs> because right, rehearse, whatever. Sure. And it's literally been in the past year, year and a half that I've gotten back into it. And I booked a bunch of, I booked like, you know, I found an agent, which was very lucky and she was wonderful to me. I booked five jobs in that first year, which was super That's lucky. Awesome. Uh, and now I'm, I'm part of the union, the acting union. And since then I've gotten no auditions and that's just the way it goes. Like, um, 
it's a slow time. And now, of course, with this whole virus business. So the writing uh-huh. is actually, it's been interesting because I've been frustrated. Like, why aren't the auditions coming? And it feels so passive. And I'm sure Lindsay appreciates this as an actor. I'm sitting here waiting for auditions, you know, obsessively yeah. <laughs> holding the phone going, where are they? Where are they? And I got to say, the writing makes me feel like I have some control over my life. Going, okay, right. I create this little world and create this thing. And so, yeah, that's been interesting to find that at this age and go, oh, this is something new I can do. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Carrie, because, yeah. uh, you know, I do some writing too. So anytime yeah. I feel like I am losing control yeah. of everything around me and not mm-hmm. getting the auditions that I want and stuff like that, I am currently working on two scripts. I start working on them. And, you know, I have six other scripts that I have finished that are just sitting. Yeah. Uh, But, yeah, you're right. It does give you kind of like a sense of control because you're just you're writing this and you can see all the characters and you know exactly which character you could play as an actress. Exactly. And so it makes you kind of feel a little bit better yeah and also just the sense of as an actor you you don't work until someone decides you're worthy of this audition and so on and your whole um creative life is dependent on other people and it's very frustrating and i don't like it (laughs) i just decided you know what no i don't want this to. i don't want to wait for other people to decide it's just frustrating oh i get it i completely understand yeah so to me you know I think for me, the stability thing, I miss, even as a district manager, whatever, I did what I wanted when I went to the store, wanted to go to the stores when I didn't want to go to the stores. You know, for the most part, I still had to deal with all the issues and all that. But I think what's been hard for me and why, you know, with, you know, gaining all the weight and dealing with all that stuff, I think that not having structure makes it easier just to not do anything. And, you know, and I think like Lindsay and I, when we decided to do the podcast and Lindsay and I you know, getting ready to record, I always would change the dates, I would cancel, I didn't want to do it that day. And it's because I don't know, I mean, I know this sounds crazy, because you guys both have so much going on, you both know where you're headed, you know what you're doing. And and I'm just here, like, you know, I'm kind of lost. I mean, I I paid and had a website done Mm -hmm. um, for my art, which is, you know, um, something I wanted to do. And I planned on doing an art show, but that didn't happen. Because you know, at the time I sold almost every painting I made, so I didn't really have anything right. to do with the show with. And I just didn't, you know, I just paint when I feel like painting. I don't, mm-hmm. you know, so it's kind of like I want to, I need some kind of structure or right. something to to wake up to every day. I almost feel like there's, mm-hmm. but then when I do have something, now maybe you guys can explain this to me because when I do so, something, I'm kind of like all nervous because, oh gosh, I got to go to the doctor in a few days. And I got to, you know, leave the house or whatever. I've gotten to the point where I just lock myself in think, and not because of the quarantine. <laughs> yeah. Is it a depression thing? It definitely has a lot. I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. Um, I, I've, I've been dealing with anxiety and depression like for many, many, many years. And I've been on medication for many years and I have learned not to go off of it. Because <laughs> I get to these, I used to, I don't do it anymore. I used to go, okay, I'm good now. Right. No more I've done that too. I've done, I've been on them all. I'm on Pristique. I'm on a very small dose of it. Um, but it also does not help with, you know, trying to lose weight and yeah. I'm on thyroid medicine because my thyroid stopped working a couple of years ago. Yeah. My um, thyroid's out of whack too. Yeah. Yeah. At mine, I have like Hashimoto's, which it doesn't, you know, I was at my, my TSH supposed to be at like three, two and a half and mine was at 42. I had the other one. I had, um, 
uh, Graves disease. Oh, really? Back when I was 20. Um, and so they give you the radioactive iodine medicine, which was really, oh. and then it kills off your whole thyroid. So I'm, I've been on that medication for, oh, no. okay. So yeah, yeah, I've been on, and mine's only been, I guess, a couple of years. It took them a year to get me regulated. It takes, it takes a long time to settle it. Yeah. Yeah. So and I, I guess it's, the, uh, levothyroxine, I guess yep. about hundred milligrams a day or something like that. Yeah. Long, mine took so. forever. It took, I get a lot of blood tests. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it stinks because like I went to the hospital for something like a few months back and mine was at 4.4 again, which you can't lose weight when yours is, you yeah. know, at 4.4. So it's just been a struggle. So, you know, you go from, you know, looking really good and, and feeling confident in yourself. And then all of a mm -hmm. sudden you're 80 pounds, you know, bigger and, nobody would even recognize you and you don't want anybody to see you and mm -hmm. you're hiding away. And then each day you're like, there's days. I, and I've said this many times on the podcast and Lindsay knows that I don't want to wake up. I'm like, why mm -hmm. am I even waking up today? Mm -hmm. You know? So I just, I, I want to get out of that. I want to have, you know, more reason to, I want to get an art show together. I want to do things, but it's like, I just, I have the want to, but I just don't have the will to. Does that make right. sense? Yeah. Yeah. It's so hard when, yeah, it's hard. I think part of it is you have to be kind to yourself. Right. And like, if it was a friend going through this, what would you say? Like you'd be way more generous to your friends. Absolutely. You were correct. I would we're always like that. And it's like, no, like it's hard. It's cause we're, so much is, is reliant on how we look and we've been taught that for so many years. Right. It's all about our looks, our looks, our looks. And I know it's how you feel too. It's not only how you look because being, overweight when you're not used to being overweight is is difficult just and when you have people in your family that makes sure, you know that make sure that they say something about it I mean I've had yeah. a couple of people in my family say hey you need to do this you need and that makes it even harder for me yeah that makes it even more mm -hmm. you know I, and I don't know I mean I guess it's just and, and you know my whole family's always been that way they've always yeah. been all about you know um my mom whatever about looks and and looking good and weight and all that so yeah, it's kind of one of those. And I'm the only girl. Right. So it, that makes, you know, you know that. Yeah. So, um, and I'm just expected to. So it's just kind of one of those things. And you're mm -hmm. embarrassed about it. And you want to fix it. And you think, okay, just, you know, my husband would say, shut your pie hole then if you want to lose weight. Yeah, and, and it's not, not that, that easy. No, especially for women yeah. post-menopause or pre-menopause, like perimenopause, post-menopause. Right. That's a big, you know, screwy time. Plus the thyroid stuff, like there's a lot going on. It's not so simple as saying don't eat. Right. And I stopped working at the same time. So yeah. all that together with the thyroid not working, menopause. Yeah, great. <laughs> and all that kind of hit me. But and right now I think with the depression, I've always used food as I think a how I dealt with my childhood. Mm -hmm. Um, because we had there were issues, kitchen would be closed and all this kind of weird stuff. So I think as soon as I moved out, you know, it was like a free-for-all. I can eat whatever I want. Yeah, um, as a kid. So I think that has a lot to do with it. You know, some people go to alcohol, some people take drugs, mm -hmm. you know, and how to deal with things. And I think mine has probably, you know, been food most of my life. Yeah. I would have to say that that's been an issue. So how do you deal with your depression? Do you still have bouts of it? I do. Um, yeah, it's tricky. Um, I'm trying to do the things that I'm telling you, like I'm trying to be kinder to myself, because I just when I when I do lose it or whatever, you know, get really upset about something or just get frustrated, I just think, oh my God, I'm the worst person in the world and the worst mom and the worst this and the worst that. And it's like, my husband's like, no, you're human. And it's, you know, you're allowed to have a bad day. And it's hard to give myself that grace, I guess. That's awesome um, that he's so, like, he's smart enough and 
Yeah. Most men won't say so. <laughs> no, he's pretty amazing. He's, I'm really, really lucky. Um, yeah. And uh, medication, like I, I, you know, I do believe that it's an imbalance. We do have like a history in my family of, for all these kinds of issues. And so I think the medication really, really helps. Um, and it's, you know, when I'm not on it, which hasn't happened in a while, there's definitely a noticeable difference. Can you say what you're on? So maybe, um, maybe that's something I'm looking to. Yeah, I was on Prozac for many, many years. Right. And uh, mostly because that was the one that was the safest. I was trying to have a baby and I did not want to go off this medication when I was trying to get pregnant and dealing with infertility because I thought, oh, wow, no good. <laughs> more depression. Um, oh, yeah, I'm sure. So I've just switched to something called Trintilex. And uh, it's literally been like a month on it, but so far so good. I'm finding it really good. I feel I feel pretty good about it. I'm feeling well. How is it with weight gain? Is it one of those that does? I haven't or? noticed any issues at the moment. Um, I'm also uh, not as fit as I'd like to be. Like I need to get out of the house more and get exercising more. I hate the gym. <laughs> I used to try to go to the gym. I don't like the gym. So for me, I need to find like, a sport or something that I like to do. So that's what I'm going to, just getting outside for me is better. Like walking I around. Want a Peloton. Do you? I want a Peloton. I want a Peloton. I want one. I want one. I want one. But they're so expensive. $2,600 is the cheapest. Are yeah. you serious? Yeah, yes. Yeah. For an exercise bike. Yeah. It's a little crazy. Yeah. That's why yeah. they show them living in rich mansions on the commercial. Yeah. <laughs> Lori, so. I tell you what, you buy a, buy an uh, exercise bike. FaceTime me and I'll give you all the encouragement you need. <laughs> <laughs> I have, I have a elliptical and I used to go to the gym and you know, before in 2011, 2012 and all that, I was very fit. Um, and I used to go to the gym five days a week and oh ride 6.5 miles on the elliptical machine. And, you know, I did all that stuff and I have not one desire. I have elliptical in my house right now and I have no desire. I mean, it's like, even if I get on it 30 minutes a day, it would be a huge difference. It's kind of convincing yourself that it's not going to kill you to get on it 30 minutes a day. It's just weird. I don't know. I mean, when I turned 50, I was great. I looked great. Yeah. I was positive, all that. But in the last couple of years, I feel like I fell apart. So a friend of mine gave me some really good advice and I, have, I haven't put it into practice yet, but I'm going to. Because I said the same thing. I, we have this elliptical here and I, why she said, try to connect the elliptical at the the thing you don't like doing, try to um, marry it with something you do like doing. So if you really like listening to a certain kind of music or you like watching a certain show or whatever, do it only during that exercise time. Well, that's pretty smart. So then you kind of associate the positive, you know, show you're watching or whatever with that exercise. I thought, oh, that sounds clever. I'm going to try that. So I'm watching my, when I'm watching my 600 pound life. No, I, maybe it's not the best show. <laughs> that's the show where I could sit there and eat and not feel as fat as I am. Honestly. No, I mean, find a better show. I mean, I think I watch it. So, I mean, actually, I watch it to encourage me. Yeah. But, you know, I, I just, I think I'm just going to have to, like, start a fire under my own ass because yeah. nobody else is going to do it. Yeah. So, you know, and my husband, what's really surprising to people is my husband, I've gained, you know, 80 pounds since we've been together, and he's not been you know, said anything or had any issue or he said, I don't care. Good. That's one thing he does say is uh, that that doesn't matter. Looks are not what's important. Um, I don't know how much of that is true because um, I'm not ugly, but 
Yeah, well. <laughs> but he's always been, you know, supportive and not made me feel less because I was, you know, because I gained all the weight. He has not ever made me feel like I was less attractive or any of that, which yeah. is definitely a, a positive because a lot of guys would have never accepted that. I mean, regardless of how great they are, I don't think anybody would be too thrilled with their, you know, spouse gaining another person. But um, he's definitely. But been, he knows you, right? And he knows that. Yeah, when he met me, I, it wasn't long after that I got sick. I mean, we got together and in like a month and a half after we started dating, I had to have surgery. Mm-hmm. And he has ever since we've been together has been the time that I've been sick. We had to go to Mayo Clinic and, and um, you know, get tests run and stuff. And mm-hmm. and, and he took me. And um, so in all honestly, honesty, we've been together three and a half years and he's been through every the, the worst part of my life with me, you yeah. know. That's, that's a partner, right? Yeah, that's something. I mean, every person has their faults. I mean, he's definitely a controlling type personality. um, And it's very hard for me because so am I. Yeah, that's definitely hard. And we're both home all the time. So that's hard. But I do feel like, you know, not many other people probably would have done, you know, stayed with somebody that they barely knew that long to go through all that with them. Yeah, that's, that's pretty amazing. That you know, so I have to do. I have to say that. But so I mean, so what, Carrie? I, I don't know. Let me. I'm trying to think of what, like, I want to ask you about. So growing up through all that time, yeah. through all you know, you were going through acting and stuff. So when you were, so when you grew up and you guys were older, were you close? Because I feel kind of. I think about my brothers, and I know they. You know, my older brother moved away when he was 17. Yeah. So I didn't see him much after that, and then I got moved out of the house at 18, pretty much ran away from home, and got married at 18. Right. So I, I still saw my two younger brothers. Now Eric was five, and Michael was 11, and I I didn't, you know, but they I've always been like kind of close with them. I don't really talk to Eric very often because mm-hmm. it just. Um, but me and Michael, we, you know, we text, you know, quite frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I mean, how did you feel? I mean, was he away from you? Did he come back and live in Toronto? I mean, so, how was that? Um, over the years, he would kind of come back and forth. So my parents, uh, so the, the move to LA happened, I think, around 1986 when I came back to Toronto and finished high school and so on and went to university. And I would go there every summer and I was talking to them quite often. There were no cell phones, of course, back then. Right. Um, but we never lived in the same house again, uh, full time, basically from the time he was 12 and I was 14, uh, oh, wow. because that's when the acting stuff started really happening for him. Um, but I would go at least twice a year down to LA and be with everybody. And I was on some of the film sets, depending on when they shot. So for Lucas, I was there for the entire summer. Like oh, wow. full shoot. And I, I, had a, I had a small role in the film, which you can't see because it was cut out, but you can see me in, in the, in the choir scene. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. I play, I was Winona Ryder's friend and I, I had a few scenes which ended up getting cut, but I'm right beside her in the choir scene. Oh, wow. So go and have a look. And uh, so I was there for the full shoot and that of that. And I still, I'm still friends with, uh, one of the act, the, the guy who played the big bully, uh, the mean, oh, really? the mean football player guy. Right. I know you're talking about. Yep. Yeah. So he's in, he lives in LA, but he and I are still friends and we're connected through Facebook and we talk every now and again. That's um, cool. So we would, my brother and I ran hot and cold, I'll be honest, over the years. My brother um, 
when my brother died, he actually wasn't using drugs anymore. So he was actually doing very well at the time, which was great. But he had been a drug addict from when he was young. And he ended up getting pneumonia. Um, and terrible. Yeah, he had an enlarged heart, which we found out after he died. Um, but your, I guess your body can only take so much abuse. And then, you know, ammonia, pneumonia doesn't really kill healthy 38-year-old guys. You wouldn't think. Yeah. You wouldn't think. So also, I think he was he was way sicker than he knew, obviously. I mean, he was he just thought he had a cold or a flu or something, right? And he didn't realize how ill he was until the night he died. Um, but so I went through phases with my brother of not wanting to talk to him because the, the drug addiction was too frustrating for me to deal with, you know, and right. I'm sure we got to, um, so I went through periods of not talking to him and then talking to him and we ended up coming to a nice, I was talking to him when he died. We were, we were on speaking terms. I ended up coming to like a nice, um, I don't know how you would call it. Like I had a, some, some ground rules where he was concerned. Right. I'm sure. Like, you know, and this was many years before he passed away that I can't control his addiction. I can't control how he behaves around people. The only thing I control is my own behavior. So I just, it used to stress me out if we would go out in public together, like, because I didn't know if he was going to drink too much or whatever. In the past, in the later years, I didn't worry about that. But we would get together at my house or at his place where he was living. I just wouldn't go out to restaurants and things because I found it too stressful for me. Right. Um, uh, yeah, right. You know, but yeah, yeah, we were on speaking terms when he passed away. It was it was not expected for him to die when he died. Like it was just it was very shocking. And Horrible. I was also very, very pregnant when he died. My daughter um, was born five days after he passed away. Oh, wow. She came, she came five weeks early. So I think just the, the stress. stress. And also, um, we're Jewish, so I was planning I'm to... I'm Jewish. Oh, are you? Yeah, it's my last Rosenbaum. Come on. There you go. So, uh, you know, we do Shiva, so where you have the sort of mourning ritual where people come and right. visit. They sit um, on boxes, cover the yeah. doors, people bring food. Yep, went people through a lot of that. So I was thinking we were going we to do that at my house, so I was vacuuming. I was cleaning. I was very active at 35 weeks pregnant, getting all this organized, and uh, we were trying to figure out how to get him home because we wanted to have him buried here in Toronto. Right. So I get my mom back. My mom had been living with him. It was all very traumatic. And the day that I was going to pick up my mom from the airport, um, my water broke, and there we went. Wow. Uh, It was all a big kerfuffle and a big excitement, and... I didn't end up going to the funeral because my daughter was born literally hours before. Wow. And it was ended up being an emergency C-section. And then her birth was announced um, on PerezHilton.com, which was very distressing (laughs) with her name and everything. Like, we're like, where is this information coming from? Like, it was on this website that I had a baby. And yeah. Had my brother not passed away five days earlier, that would not have been news. But. I guess the timing made it sort of interesting. That's just great. So I, that must have been, I can't even imagine what kind of, how, how emotionally you were being torn in two different, it I was, mean, you had to be totally sad and, and, and going yeah. through such grief because your brother and you were, you know, close mm-hmm. in age and he was so young. And then in the same time, yeah. you were, you have a new baby, which is a happy moment. And then of course your baby's early. 
The baby um, was early, so that was a concern. And I had been dealing with infertility for 15 years. So oh, this wow. was a very long awaited baby. Yeah. And so it was a real, and you know, when you lose a sibling, it's a very strange experience. And it's, it's horrible watching your parents go through it. I can't imagine. More than anything, like even more than the own, your, the loss of your, for yourself. It's like watching your parents go through this thing, which is the worst thing that people can go through. Right. And so my parents were literally going from the cemetery to the hospital. Like it was a bizarre week. It had um, to be horrible for them. But not to put pressure on my daughter, who's now 10. But that baby saved my mother's life, right? Like it gave her a purpose. It gave her something to So maybe at. it was a blessing at, that sure. she came at the time she did. For sure, it was a blessing. Um, yeah, crazy, crazy. Looking back on it, it was such a nutty, crazy experience. But, um, and just having a, a sibling who's in the public eye pass away is very uh, invasive. You know, oh, and, sure. and still people talk about him, as you know. So... <laughs> Yes, I, I unfortunately they can't let you know. I know it was just recently uh, the tenth year anniversary yeah. of his passing, which is also close to your daughter's birthday, obviously. Yeah. yeah. So how has that how has that affected you and your family? Well, um, it's it's been stressful. I mean, you want to on those anniversary on those special you know commemorative anniversaries, you always want to do something special. So we usually. Um, I always try to have my mom come over and we have a special dinner. Like we'll have my brother's favorite foods or whatever, things like that. On his birthday, we do that. And usually on the anniversary of his death and we try to go to the cemetery. We weren't able to go this year. So we'll go, you know, in a couple of weeks, I'll take her. Um, and my mom is, you know, she's 71 years old and she's in fairly good health. She's had some, some heart condition issues and, you know, I don't like her to get super stressed by anything. Right. Um, so there's, I'm sure you're aware of this whole crazy nonsense about his former co-star. Yes, absolutely. Film, um, right. That he, that he had been talking about for a long, long time to set the record straight, as he says, about the abuse that he and my brother allegedly um, suffered. And not allegedly, we know that my brother was abused. Um, sadly. And did he talk about that to the family? He did. Um, we know the person who did abuse him, um, whose name was Dominic Rasha. Um, and he was, my mom actually sadly walked in on them once. He walked <laughs> on this guy. Uh, my brother apparently called my mom in a panic saying, he's hurting me. There's something, you know, my mom came over, found oh, him God. and there was a pool cue and my mom went and like was going to bash him over the head with the pool cue. Oh my God. Um, yeah, really I'm so sorry. You're awful. poor mom. Anyway. So, um, and a lot of people, it's a weird time we live in this whole time of, of um, social media because we have access to celebrities in a way that we've never had access to them before. Yeah. Right. Kid, and I'm sure when you guys were kids, there was the, all the teen magazines. Yes. And that teen was beat the, and all that. Yep. Oh. And I that had them all over my wall. For sure. And I did we too. We all did. <laughs> we all did. And that was the way you got to know your favorite celebrity. Tiger Beat. <laughs> yep. Tiger Beat, Teen Beat, 16, all these magazines. And you would learn like what their favorite food was and what the kind of girl they liked and all this stuff. And it, you know, that's the only way you got to know about your crush. Now there's this illusion of connection because you can follow them on Twitter or on whatever social media platform. And if they like 
you know, if someone happens to like your post, you have this sense of now you've had contact with them and you have a sense of now I know this person, right? Right. And it's all <laughs> yep. Crap. Nobody knows anybody. So people want to believe, and I get it. People want to believe that they're on the know and they want to believe that they're on the inside track and they know something that other people don't know. And it makes you feel real special. And it's all whatever. I get it. I get that you want to feel like you know the truth when no one else knows the truth. It's exciting, right? right? That you know something other people don't know. So people think they know what happened to my brother. There were a lot of accusations made. Right. Um, we don't believe that those accusations are true. Now, do I know for sure, for sure? Of course not. Nobody knows anything for sure, for sure, unless you were there. Exactly. So these accusations that have recently been brought forward, I was on that set of that movie of Lucas for two entire months. Um, we were all friendly. I was 15. Uh, my brother was 13. Charlie Sheen was 19. Um, we were kids. And at the, it was the 80s. We didn't know as much then as we do now about what was appropriate, what was inappropriate, what correct sent. All these things that people just take for granted now wouldn't have been considered. It just wouldn't have. Um, I don't believe that my brother was hurt by, by Charlie Sheen. My mother doesn't believe it. And my brother never mentioned it ever, ever, ever. We, he did mention other things. Because he, my brother didn't have much of a filter, gotta say. <laughs> so, really didn't. Not a whole lot of a filter. He was just a chatter, okay? Now, what, what um, my brother's former co-star, what he wants to say, I mean, he's had a horrible, horrible, horrible life. And I feel horrible for him. Like, and he, you know, there's, it's, it's tragic. It's tragic. I understand him wanting to have some control of what's happened to him. However, he doesn't know the whole story because he wasn't there. That's the whole problem. He wasn't on that set. He That's didn't true. know my brother for two years. He didn't know him until two years later, right? And I get that he wants to stop abuse, which is very admirable and very necessary. That's great. I don't think people should be charged money for that. I don't think people should be making accusations that you can't hold up in court because this is people's lives we're talking about. If there's someone else who can bring forward an allegation, I think that person should come forward, but no one has come forward. Um, right. And isn't this other person not saying that they were ever molested? They were mentally, but I, not physically? Um, I don't know. I didn't actually see the, the most recent documentary. Because uh, I didn't want to spend twenty dollars on it, American American yeah. funds. Um, yeah, there's a lot of drama. The problem I have with all of the drama, and he he's entitled to create whatever he wants to create and do whatever he likes. The problem that I have with it all is that he's created this narrative of that there's people, bad people out there who are trying to get him, um, which I'm trying to kill him. He said that on Twitter all the time. Yeah, which truly I hope is not true. Somehow he's implicated my mother and it's because my mom has spoken to some of these other fans who are whatever. And, you know, she's hacking and she's doing this and she's doing that. And I was, my mom, will, she sends me these hilarious texts and she goes, now they're calling me a hacker. And I said, mom, you're a 71 year old woman who can barely work your DVD player. So I think we're good. Right. Wow. But why would your, okay. Why, okay. I don't even understand why anybody would think your mother would do that. 
she wouldn't do that. She doesn't have the time, the energy that she doesn't care enough to do it. And unfortunately, fans of that former co-star of my brother's are, you know, in his defense or trying to come to his aid, saying horribly, horribly offensive things about my mother on social media. Like, oh, wow, well, I've never seen anything like. I've yeah, never seen any of that. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. Sending her things, so sending her horrible messages. How? So wait you- a minute, wait a minute. Now, if this is supposed to be defending mm-hmm. your brother, yep. Okay, if this is supposed to be defending him and his honor after, mm-hmm. you know, 10 years after his passing, mm-hmm. why would anybody try to do anything to hurt his mom? Right. So this what? is an excellent question. Excellent, excellent question. Why so, would you do that? This is supposed to be in defense. Yeah. And this is supposed to be somebody that's looking out and saying, yeah. hey, he died because of all of this, which we know it was pneumonia. But, right. they're, they're, you know, them saying he died because of everything that happened. Right. And then have somebody attack his mother. What right. the hell is wrong with people? What the fuck? Right. Excuse so, my language. <laughs> so the problem is, I think there's a lot of uh, unresolved jealousy issues that, you know, my brother got roles that the other uh, the other Corey would have wanted. Um, they were together a lot. It's really difficult. I mean, people love the two Corey. They love thinking that they were best friends, they were really close, and they were when they were very young, right? When they were kids. Right. But truly, for the last decade of my brother's life, they were not friends. They worked together on that reality show because hope they needed some money. <laughs> and, they, you know, I don't think I would consider them close. Um, and if you were, you know, if they were close friends, as you said, wouldn't a close friend do everything in their power to honor their friend's memory? Absolutely. Be kind to their friend's family. The day that my brother died, the day he died, the other Corey was on Larry King discussing my brother. Like he ran over to do some media and say, really, my brother died destitute with no money. He had no car. Like that's sad not for my brother because we know the truth of my brother so i'm not worried about that but it's more like how sad is this man that that was his reaction on the day that his so-called friend passed away to go and badmouth him on cnn and all these years later when all and he has said horrible things about my mother too and he is you know um What's the purpose? I don't understand. I don't know what the purpose is. He needs, he seems to be the kind of person who needs a lot of attention. He needs a lot of relevance in social media. I don't think he's getting hired for acting roles. And I don't know that he knows how to just be sort of a regular guy, which isn't necessarily his fault. I mean, it's funny though how he never talks about his own parents who are not, he doesn't talk to either of his parents, we know. Um, because they were horrible to him. I mean, I don't know. I, I knew his dad. I know oh, he did dad. talk about, I mean, I've seen yeah. it, instances where he does little videos where he talked horrible about, I mean, that his, he had it really bad and he was yeah. abused and his, his parents were terrible to him. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know um, why he feels the need to do that. It, may, it makes me sad for him. It makes me sad. He's got a son. Um, it makes me sad that a, a boy. I didn't even know he had a kid. Yeah, yeah, he's got a boy. I'm not sure how old he is now, maybe 16, 15, 16, 17. Um, it makes me sad that a 
kid would see his father uh, so desperate for attention in that way. Um, you know, I guess he's got his reasons. If, if the, I mean, I certainly hope that people aren't actually threatening him. You know, I think it's all like a big drama. And I've put publicly out on, on my own Twitter, if someone that is, you know, speaking in my brother's name, like thinking they're defending my brother by doing anything to him, it's got to stop. But I don't really, I hope that they're not doing that. We would certainly never approve of anything like that. We want, you know, we would don't wish him. Ill. I thought, I thought he was saying that it was people that were trying to stop him from telling his story. Yeah, about but the people that the you can't tell another person's story. But I think Do Dominic Brasher, I think he's yeah. one of the people that was was mentioned. I haven't seen the movie. He is. Just he is. There were a few people mentioned, um, and we know that that is in fact true. Sadly, and there were other people as well. I don't know all the details of all everything. And it I, sucks, I but I mean, it sucks. But it's do. I mean, I just I can't imagine what it's doing. You know, you kind of want to let you know somebody rest in peace and my, and. You do. and and that's the problem that we have as a family. It's like, dude, it's been 10 freaking years, man. Let it go. My brother did not ever say to him, tell my story if I die first. Like the drama, it's hilarious to me. Like that that's what he says. He said, if I go for, really, dude? No, they were not that close towards the end. There's no way my brother would have said that. And who the hell says that when you're 38 years old and not expecting to die? It's not like my brother had cancer right. imminently dying or something, right? Right. No it's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. So you can't tell another person's story because there's nothing. That's for them to tell. And if they're I not. Can tell, I mean, Lori, if you want, I'll tell your story. I'll make up whatever shit I want to tell about you. And <laughs> you better shut up, Carrie. You know? <laughs> right, there you go. I've told your story. Like, it's really sad and ridiculous. I believe that. He should tell whatever story he wants if it's his story. He should not, you know, and if he's gotten, I, he has not said anything kind about my brother in all these years, except we were best friends. We were so close. I promised I would tell his story. But every time he's, when you, if you really look at it, every time he's talked in media about him, it's really horrible shit. And he comes out looking amazing, which is sad. How sad is it that you need to do this to a dead person? That you still need to disparage a dead guy for you to look good? Right. Do it for yourself, not yeah. for any, you know. Yeah, so, I understand you that. You know, I really hope that he'll make a change. I hope that he'll kind of go, oh, yeah, I don't need that friend, my old friend who died a full decade ago now, to have any relevance in this life. You know, it's he just doesn't know how to have any kind of life without some kind of public presence. I don't know what to say about that. It's sad, but that's him. Right. And truly, I wish that he would stop because, you know, my mother has been grieving the loss of her child for all these years. And certainly so sad when she gets all this other shit to deal with. Absolutely. I mean, I to me, I would think that was the biggest, you know, people are going to say what people are going to say. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of like, you know, I've been told by somebody recently, people are going to do what they're going to do. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't, you know, if somebody else is trying to do the same thing you're trying to do and it, you know, bothers you because it's funny that they're trying to decide yeah. that they're going to be an artist now because that's what you do. It, there's nothing you could do about it. People are going to do right. what they're going to do. But in the same sense, you have to have respect for the family yeah. um, when it's in a situation that you, that, that it is in. And I, yeah. and that's, you know, that's my feeling about it is 
tell your story. If you need to tell it, tell it, tell the whole world, throw it out everywhere. But then you might want to, you know, somebody who can't speak for themselves. themselves. And there's this whole thing about this alleged wolf pack, which is the funniest freaking thing. Like you couldn't have written it. What is the wolf pack? I had to look it up. I don't really know. I was never involved in any, there was some guy who was sort of defending, I, this is the story as far as I know, was defending my brother and my mom became sort of friendly with him online a little bit. I don't think she's spoken to him in a number of years now, um, but his last name is Wolf. It happens to be Wolf. So I don't know who made that up, that that's what this group who wants to defend, it was like these two camps, the Feld fam, the Feld family and the Wolf pack. It's hilarious to me. First of all, that people that this is what people are doing with their time <laughs> is amazing. <laughs> right, uh, absolutely. Okay, you know, I don't want to judge, but go go now. But um, there's not been, on. my mother is a 71-year-old woman who, you know, spends a lot of time with me and my kids, um, helping me with them when I need childcare. That's awesome that she does she lives that. Not that far from me. She lives a fairly quiet life. Like she's not, it's hard to imagine that somebody doesn't spend a lot of their day thinking about Corey Feldman, but she doesn't like, because aside from the fact that she's frustrated as we all are by the constant relentlessness, the relentlessness of it, of talking about my brother constantly in a negative light and speaking ill of my mother and people saying, where were you when your your son was being abused? As if, as if it would, you know what your pant, you know, it can have, I'm going to say something about the abuse thing. Okay. Uh Because I know for, from personal experience and I know for me, your parents are not with you every single minute of the day. And these people that abuse children, it doesn't, they could be at a school. They Mm -hmm. could be at, you know, there's people abused, you you know, this, that have been abused at school by teachers. There's been kids that are abused by their, you know, Boy Scout leaders, their preachers. So you know what? Your parents can't be with you 24 seven and they can't protect you every single second of the day. So there's always an opportunity for somebody that wants to, to find a way to abuse you. And people are looking at it from the lens of now of the, the, you know, 2018, 2019, 2020. This was the early 80s. And it's totally we, different. I understand. I was there. So I mean, yeah. as far as living in that time. Like so, I yeah. talk to my kids and I explain, like I, mommy grew up in the 70s. So I would leave my house. I went at eight years old and I didn't, you know, would go all around my neighborhood. I'd cross Absolutely. the street at the lights and go to the library alone. I was taking the subway at 10. Like it's not the same as it was not when I was seven, I was running this. I lived on Long Island in New York and I was outside all day long going yep. over to other people's apartments. Cause we yep. lived on the ocean and, and we just hung out. Exactly. I mean, it was, uh, and actually something that happened to me was, was one of the apartment um, uh, maintenance people. Oh so, you know, yeah, I yeah. mean, it wasn't nothing terrible. It wasn't like full yeah. on, but it was, it was a, t- you know, a touching yeah. through his pants, yeah. but still so, I was seven years old. Yeah. So, you know, you're running around and stuff. Your parents can't be, no. you know, it was told, like you said, it was totally different. You're not there with a the phone all the time. No, it was you a very know, different time. And people absolutely. need to realize that regardless, all we would like is for him to stop talking about my brother. And I've been saying this for years. My mom's been saying it for Have years. Have you I'm asked not- him? Have you told him that yourself? I have not reached out to him personally. I've written to him on social media, on Twitter, 
he's he blocked me on Twitter years and years ago, which is fine. But I know that he has people who kind of watch his stuff and send him things, you know. So I know that my my very direct message would have gotten to him. Um, he really, there's a lot. He, I don't know. There's a lot of drama. He thrives on the drama, and fine, thrive away. But I just, it's it's enough already. It's been ten freaking years, man, and it's like. Holy crow, like how long are you going to do this? Now, it just makes your grieving process longer and harder, I'm yeah, sure. And, and it's moms. not for me. I'm fine. It's for my mother. Right, who absolutely. Is aging. And, right. you know, health is a concern. And, you know, he the things that are said about this woman are horrifying. Thinking like people are just. Where are they said? I haven't seen, I mean, um, I haven't seen anything. There's so stuff I just on Twitter. There's stuff all around. It's just people are like, I follow some of these threads every now and again. Does it say her name? Oh, yeah. What's Hold her on. name? Because I don't know. Because I want to look for that. Yeah, I'll send it to you later. Okay, it, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, will, I don't want to add more. Oh, people. absolutely. I, very, I didn't even think about that. No, no, no. no I just very, kind of would like to see. Frankly, it's very easy to Google if you don't already know it, right? It's super right. easy. And she's been out there. Like a, a number of years ago, she went on the Dr. Oz show. You know, I don't really love when she does those things, but it's a oh, okay. story and her choice to do that. That's Absolutely. Right. Um, she feels that she needs to defend her son. Absolutely. Um, I think most mothers would, don't you? Wouldn't sure. you defend your son? For, of I course. Mean, absolutely. I mean, anyway. your mom's not doing anything wrong by looking no. out for, but she definitely does deserve some peace at, at some, you know. One would hope. So, yes, absolutely. Well, I definitely hope your family um, you know, you can find that. I absolutely love having you on the podcast. I would love to have you again if if you love, like to. Oh, I would again. love it. I love it's talking just, to us, and I want to right. know more. I haven't heard from Lindsay, so I really feel like I didn't get to know Lindsay. So we have to do it again, so I can get to know all of her story. <laughs> How's that, Lindsay? Does that sound fair? That sounds great. Um, I know I've just been sitting here listening. Um, and it's just the whole thing is to me is. You know, I, like I said, you know, I was, I was born in 84, so I kind of grew up in the 80s, early 90s, but even I know, Mm -hmm. um, my first, uh, movie that set that I was ever on was The Jackal with, uh, Richard Gere and, uh, Bruce Willis. Okay. And even then, I mean, I was on set completely alone. I mean, I was like 12 years old at the time, but I was on set completely alone. My parents weren't around, but now... Parents are on set with yes, their kids. Very much so, yeah. So it's 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 a completely different world. It's it's yeah. you know and frankly, I gotta tell you, my mother was on set all the time, and the story that he told is just illogical. Like it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And you can go, I don't want to repeat the story, but um, I heard I just recently saw exactly what yeah. supposedly was said. I was like shocked. Yeah, and that it just it doesn't make any sense. It didn't Happen. It doesn't make sense, but uh, to me, I mean, I wasn't there, so I don't know. But I just thought it seemed like it would be very odd for that to actually happen. Yeah, the time of day it happened allegedly, and the where and when, like it just—it really doesn't make any sense. Whatever, it's a good story. There's no, my brother can't possibly refute the story, so why not, right? Yeah, that's why not. It's good right. to sell more books, and it's good to sell more videos, and um, you know, I just feel like there's got to be a limit. And now that he's gotten his long awaited documentary out and charged people tons of money and made a big, huge, some people were charged twice, apparently, hopefully that'll get resolved. And you yeah, know, they can only see it once. But first I, I saw that it didn't come like first, it didn't start um, streaming 
something happened. Well, something and happened. Said, we're going to stream it, but you can only watch it once. Yeah. And then in the theater, they were showing it live in LA uh, and there, with a live audience. And that, oh. that was apparently working. Uh, but then when, he when people found out that it wasn't being streamed properly, he stopped it and we're being hacked and nobody would see. This is proof that people don't want us to get the story out. And I would bet all the money in the world that that was a setup. Um, maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was some glitch. Yeah, but and I can't, I can't give an opinion, obviously, because yeah. I, you know, I don't know. But the whole, I just feel bad for your, I think for your family and your mom, I think that's what really, yeah, um, that, that's, you know, yeah. like you said, people are going to do what they're going to do. And obviously he's, you know, this person's going to, we already know his name, but yeah. this person's going to do what they want to do. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, it's just, like you said, at a point where your mom's getting older and it's just at some point she's yeah. got to have <laughs> some peace. You know what it is? And I kind of get it because he didn't have a good relationship with his own family. That's fine. I mean, it's not fine. I, it's horrifying. Like no kid deserves that, especially, you know, that's nobody all right. experience that. And like, I'm, I don't have any animosity towards him. Like I, in terms of his own life, like I wish that he would be okay. But at some point, you know, respecting like an elderly mom would be just a kind thing to do. And I don't see it ever happening because she's been branded as this evil, horrible person by him and by a lot of his followers and fans. It's wow. disgraceful. It's absolutely disgraceful. So you'll yeah. let me know when you find it, Lori and Lindsay, if you find it, let me know what you think of all these messages that you see and see. Yeah, like, right, yeah. When you're, you, yeah, you're going to send yeah. me the name. So yeah, yeah. definitely. Cause I haven't, I don't, I wouldn't have known anyway. Yeah. So um, oh, yeah, I, I didn't know that. And yeah. I'm sorry for you and I'm sorry, you know, and please send my, your, you know, I will. Um, my regards to your mom and tell I her, will. That, Thank you know, you. I'm sorry. And I got to tell you one thing that I never told you, Lori, I used to listen to your brother's podcast quite a bit. I haven't listened recently, but he reminds me so much of my brother. Oh, really? <laughs> Personality wise. Oh, is yeah. your brother a fart or two? Well, not that, <laughs> but just his personality. Oh my god. He goodness. has a great personality. He really There's does. Just, there were times when he was talking, not his voice, but his cadence and the way he goes about things and the way he thinks about life and the questions he asks and his own insecurities and his own oh my goodness. It's wow. Like I had to stop listening for a while because I thought, oh my gosh, like it's I, I don't think they ever met, but I could, they would definitely have gotten along or would have killed each other. I'll have to tell him you, yeah, I'll have to tell him you said that. Yeah. yeah. So like I, it's very familiar listening to him because he really, really reminds me of my brother. Well, that's yeah. a good thing. Cause I think your brother was a great, yeah. well, great guy, you. great actor. I just, you know, I fell in love with him at Luke and Lucas and um, yeah, absolutely. And you're a beautiful, wonderful I Thank love you. how open you've been with us. Um, yeah, you know, amazing. it's like well, talking to friends. That's what we do. Usually sure. we have a lot more. We'll add some more comedy next time. <laughs> but, but we yeah. joke around about, we joke around about everything. We just pretty much what people say about our podcast is they like it because it's like a, a couple of friends. You well, know, I hope that wasn't too depressing for your, for your listeners. Oh, no. I mean, they, we talk about the same things about anxiety and depression. We talk about childhood yeah. things, you know, a lot of yeah. stuff that's, um, you know, and. But we also like to have fun and joke around. And it is. It's pretty much this is when, you know, me and Lindsay really have our, our girlfriend conversation. Yeah. So it's kind of nice, you know, to have somebody else, you know, another woman on and, and pretty much just talk about stuff. And it, it's been well, really fun. I mean, I feel like you're one of our friends. That's how I 
Thank you about so your much for having me. I really, Absolutely. really appreciate it. And we, we definitely will definitely want to have you again. So we'll have to set that up because it's just fun. It's just being able it to is. talk and have fun and, and, and talk with somebody else and have, you know, somebody I might have some stuff in common with. And look, definitely you're having foreigners on now. Canadians are infiltrating. Absolutely. That, you are our, <laughs> yeah, first, you are our first foreigner, right, Lindsay? Yes, absolutely. And you're that's so like, international now. But now, wait, I've had a Jew on with me, another Jew. <laughs> I'm so excited. Okay, hey. the next time I come on, we're having nice chicken soup. And oh my gosh, I make chicken soup with matzo balls all the oh time. Oh my God, chicken soup and challah and it'll be such a nice. Oh my gosh, I haven't had challah in forever. I grew up, my great-grandfather was a kosher butcher. My grandmother oh my kept God. a kosher house because of my grandfather, our right. great-grandfather. And so I grew up pretty religious until we moved away when I was 13. I mean, we grew up, I went to, um, you know, I went to, when I lived in Connecticut, actually for a year, I went to Yeshiva. So I went wow. to private Jewish school for a year. And, um, but I, we went to religious instruction from school when I was in uh, elementary school. And on Wednesdays, we'd go to um, the temple. But see here where I live, there's yeah. one temple in the yeah. whole tri-state area. Yeah. There's no, there's no we, Jews around here. Yeah, we're basically heathens. I mean, we're... <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not. You're Jews, no, just like. And, and my rabbi, and my and and my rabbi. Yeah. When I was in, um, when I went to yeshiva, and I had to be like in special ed Hebrew because all these kids have been going to yeshiva yeah, their lives. For and, sure. and he was Rabbi Feldman. Oh. So, <laughs> rabbi Feldman was rabbi my rabbi Feldman. when I was there. So that's, that's awesome. Cool. But I'm so. It's been a pleasure having you. I can't Thank wait to you. have you again. And if you ever want to talk, you can call either one Thank of us. You. We'd love to. Thank and, you, guys. Uh, Thank you so much. Thank you. And Lindsay, I'm sorry you didn't get so much in. You have anything else to say? <laughs> no, I mean, I, I I really enjoyed having uh, Carrie on and She's amazing a look into her brother's life and 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 things. It's it's neat because of how I grew up, you know, mm -hmm. watching the Lost Boys and really, you know, thinking. I'm sorry, Carrie, but he had a cute butt. Um, <laughs> You know what? I get to hear that about mine all the time. So, <laughs> so I hear it all the time. That's it's, hilarious. It's, you know, it, it's just been interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, it's funny who we have crushes on, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but Lindsay, Lindsay, I really, really hope this all ends soon and you get to do your amazing role. And I can't wait to see you in it. Thank you. And I'm so happy for you. That's awesome. And good luck with Jack and Molly during all of this. Yeah, my gosh. Send me strength, people. I'm sending <laughs> you some, girl. All right. Send you Thank strength. you all for being on. Every, and we will talk to you all soon. And thanks, everybody, for listening. And Thanks. take care. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. Bye.